if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. We get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free for all Friday that is not free for anybody, quite frankly, because we have three important guests. It's the eighth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to catch up with Congressman Bill Johnson. We have not talked to Representative Johnson in a little while, so it's good to have him back on. He is, of course, representing Ohio's sixth congressional district. We're going to talk to him about a host of issues related to the coronavirus and probably a little bit about the Michael Flynn exoneration as well as the DOJ has dropped any prosecution of the um, retired general. So uh, Congressman Johnson is going to be joining us at 935. At 1010, we start the first of two uh, Ohio State representatives. Representative Scott Wiggum, Wayne County District 1, is going to be joining us to talk about opening Ohio back up. And then at uh, 1035, the return of uh Ohio State Representative Bill Seitz from Cincinnati, District 30, will be joining us. He and Wiggum, both Wiggum and Seitz, as well as some others, including John Becker, have been extraordinarily critical of Dr. Labcoat and Governor Mike DeWine, and with very good reason. And they have demanded that uh, they be allowed to do what they were elected to do, represent the people of Ohio, rather than put the people of Ohio in uh, a state essentially of a dictatorship, doing only what Mike DeWine and uh, Dr. Labcoat say. And so we're going to hear their arguments uh, in uh, in some length coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Scott Wiggum at 1010, Bill Seitz at 1035. Now, to start the program, if you thought you were going to hear me playing cool in the gang to start this show, as I often do when there are things to celebrate, you are sorely mistaken. If you thought I was going to celebrate and, all right, thank you, Governor DeWine. Woo! This is what we were talking about here. We're reopening some restaurants and some bars and some hair and some nail salons. Not tonight, but on May 15th and then a little bit on May 21st, and then we'll see how things go. If you thought I was going to fall to my knees and give a great big slobbering thank you to Mike DeWine for throwing the state of Ohio a small bone, you have not been paying attention. The only thing Governor Mike DeWine did yesterday, and I know that I I have Republican friends who listen to this show, by the way. I'm going to say this directly. I know that I am making some enemies of some Republican leadership in the state of Ohio. 
You know, we sometimes have Jane Timken on from uh, ORP. You know, we sometimes have uh, Rob Frost on from the Cuyahoga County GOP. We sometimes have, uh, you know, a lot of different uh, representatives, not representatives in the, in the sense of Bill Seitz as in state reps, but individuals representing the Republican Party, and I have good relationships with, and I know they hate to hear me come onto the airwaves every day and blast Mike DeWine, but I'm just going to tell you point blank. Bad politics and bad policy is bad, whether it comes with an R or a D. And Mike DeWine is governing like a D because he gave all of the power to a liberal Democrat pro-late-term abortionist named Dr. Lab Code Amy Acton. And I'm sorry. He and she are doing an extraordinary disservice to the state of Ohio. And that's just a fact. And if that's going to hurt him come re-election time in 2022, so be it. I will absolutely not support what this man has done and is doing to the state of Ohio. And if that costs me relationships, so be it. I will always be honest with you first and foremost. And Mike DeWine has done just an extraordinary disservice to the people of the state of Ohio with relying upon faulty science, terrible models, inaccurate prognostications, and heavy-handed dictatorship-style authority from uh, Dr. Labcoat, who has been given the power as long as we are in a state of, an, a state of emergency, uh, it's, it's wrong. And I'm going to say that. And so yesterday, when Mike DeWine announced, uh, okay, here's the plan. We're going to open up some restaurants and bars and hair and nail salons and barbershops starting on May 15th with some caveats. You know, uh, of course, it was back on March 15th that DeWine closed restaurants and bars and said, just going to be 15 days, just going to be 15 days to flatten the curve. Well, it's been two months as of May 15th, just to throw that out there. Three days after that, he closed the hair salons, the nail salons, the barber shops, the tattoo parlors, the spas. Business owners have poured their hearts and their life savings into. Shut them down. You're on a non-revenue generating basis. Too bad. As of uh, yesterday, there were well over, and i got to get the number, because the new numbers came out yesterday about unemployment filings across the country, another 3 million to put us at 33 million nationally, and well over a million, probably pushing up toward a million and a half in the state of Ohio. People out of work, businesses closing forever. That's right. Many of these businesses are not going to be able to reopen on May 15th or on May 21st or on May 12th which are the dates that he has kind of arbitrarily selected. They're not going to be able to reopen because they're closed forever, because they went bankrupt, they went under. And so, But he comes out with, you know, we're going to do this responsibly, as if people are going to be gracious, and thank you so much for this. Restaurants, I mean, again, arbitrariness, this is just the, the, the worst part about this to me, is that he's trying to make it sound scientific, that they've put a... a a, a scientific group of, of you know, Mensa members together, the smartest of the smart, the elitist of the elite, and they've all decided that the, the day that it's safe to eat in an Ohio restaurant, or at least outdoors at an Ohio restaurant, is May 15th. And the date that it'll be safe to eat on the inside, where the virus can't get them then, will be May 21st. They want us to believe that that's scientific and not completely arbitrary. It is arbitrary. The announcement yesterday made a lot of people feel good, but I want you to understand how completely pointless waiting is, and waiting all of this time has been. 
My friend, normally I take news like this, and during the middle of the day, because I'm not on the radio 24-7, I try to engage with people, including you, listeners, on social media, um, and respond that way. And yesterday, I took to social media, and I wanted to respond to the announcement that DeWine made yesterday at 2 o'clock about the bars and restaurants and salons reopening on this uh, piecemeal schedule here throughout the month of May. And I started to write it, and then uh, something popped up on my Facebook page, and I realized, well, I don't have to write it after all. Somebody has written it better than I could. And that somebody is the former deputy editorial page director of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Kevin O'Brien. He's been a guest on this program a number of times. Brilliant guy. Great guy. Just, just salt of the earth guy. Really love Kevin. But I love, what I love more than I love Kevin, the person, is Kevin, the analyst. Kevin, the uh, political uh, 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 genius that he is. And he really is, because he's got his finger on the pulse. And obviously we are like-minded, too. But he's got his finger on the pulse and has been the voice of reason in a sea of of liberal insanity for a long time as the only conservative on the Plain Dealers editorial board. Anyway, Kevin wrote yesterday on his Facebook page something that was better than I could write, so I just copied his, with attribution, of course. But as Kevin wrote, outdoor dining at Ohio restaurants will be safe starting May 15th. Indoor dining will remain dangerous for another six days, though. Why does anyone believe anything the governor and her assistant, Mike DeWine, said? I love that. You'll have to think about that, maybe. Anything the governor and her assistant, Mike DeWine, say. It's all arbitrary. These clowns don't have the first clue, and they are blithely destroying people's livelihoods. It's just criminal. Kevin was spot on. The idea that the virus is going to be less potent and less dangerous on May 15th than it is on May 8th is ridiculous. The idea that it's going to be less infectious on May 21st than it is on May 15th when they're allowed to dine outside is ridiculous. The idea that getting your hair cut is going to be safer on May 12th than it would have been on April 12th, as if the virus is, is no longer uh, you know, dangerous, is ridiculous. They shut down the state and all of these businesses for no good reason. They have been making up the rules, making up the standards, throwing out arbitrary dates for doing things and numbers of people who can be together since the very beginning, making it up as they go along. And, and, and the fact that they are now just throwing out these dates, that this is when it will be safe again, this is when it will be safe again, it just underscores the lie from the beginning. It will be no safer then than it is now. And guess what? you're probably going to see a moderate spike after some of these things are open or in two weeks after because it takes a while, of course, for everything to incubate and for people to be seen and people to be tested and so on and so forth. You're going to see a moderate spike. And then what do you think that the two authoritarians in charge, Dr. Labcoat and her assistant, Mike DeWine, as Kevin O'Brien said, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to say, see, we opened things up because you demanded it. And look what happened. There are more cases. Then they're going to want to shut everything down again and say, next time you listen to us, mommy and daddy know what's best. 
That's what. That's my prediction. So I'm not going to get down on my knees and give a big blubbery, slobbery thank you to Mike DeWine for doing something that should have been done two months ago, which is, or actually at least a month and a half ago. Give them their 15 days to flatten the curve that they originally asked for, then get people back to work, get businesses back to revenue-driven paying bases, and let Ohio live. Take reasonable precautions with the most vulnerable, take reasonable precautions with those who are already sick, and let the healthy continue to do their thing. I'm not going to be thankful to the governor for this. I'm going to be outraged that this didn't come a long time ago. I'm going to be more outraged, and I suspect you will too, when you hear what he had to say yesterday about state representatives who did their level best in passing a bill to try to have a say in keeping Ohio safe, healthy, and prosperous. What he said was so condescending and so infuriating um, I'll share it with you and get your reaction coming up next. 919, this is the Bob Francis Authority. Right back. So, the state of, or excuse me, the uh, House of Representatives in the state of Ohio voted this week to limit the powers of Dr. Labcoat to make orders that she gives as it pertains to epidemics and state health to be advisory, not uh, compelled by law, and to limit said orders to 14 days. And if she wants to extend them past 14 days, they would have to go through a committee, a bipartisan committee of Republicans and Democrats from the state house. In other words, you know, a representative Republican which co-equal branches of government have a say in what is being done to the state of Ohio. Pretty smart piece of legislation as far as I'm concerned. Mike DeWine immediately said he would veto it. Yesterday, he took to the podium in Columbus and explained why. Set your uh set your ears to um I don't know, outrage. I want to say something about, um, since you asked about it, uh, the House's action yesterday. Um, I made it very clear that if that bill would make it through the Senate and would be put on my desk, that I would veto the bill. And I want to explain to people in the state of Ohio why. We already know why. Um, You're a dictator in training. The essence of this bill, or the essence of this law, excuse me, has been on the books for about a hundred years. Uh, legislatures have looked at; they've changed it some. Uh, in fact, not not that long ago. So it's not been a, a law that's been ignored. It's been on the books. It's, it's been used. Uh, we are. In- it's being abused right now, which is why it's time to change it a little bit more again. In the middle of an emergency now. An emergency that we have not faced for 102 years. We are not in the middle of an emergency that we have not faced in 102 years. 99.5% of the people who contract this, this virus are fine at the end of the day. A very small percentage of people need to go to the hospital. An even smaller percentage of the people die from this. It is not a statewide or nationwide catastrophic emergency. Stop lying. Uh, so I just I don't understand why anyone would think that this is a great time um, to be changing the law, to be taking away the, the power of the executive branch uh, to protect people. Because the executive branch is not protecting people. The executive branch is picking and choosing what people to protect. The executive branch is sacrificing 11.5 million Ohioans. 
the executive branch, Dr. Labcoat and her assistant, Governor DeWine, the executive branch is, is prioritizing only people who might get sick with what are extraordinarily, statistically speaking, mild symptoms and, and a far, far fewer number of people who get the, a more severe version of it and ignoring the health and well-being, the ability for people in Ohio to feed their families, to earn an income, to pay their bills, He literally thinks he's saving Ohioans and protecting Ohioans, and he's trying to do it again as a dictator, as as if the executive branch is the only branch that has a say in what happens in this state. There is a second co-equal branch of this government. There are two, actually, but the legislature gets a say in representing the people. Health concerns are historically something that the executive branch that the governor's office deals with. As long as I'm governor, I intend to follow my oath and to take care of those problems. You have abdicated your oath, you little Napoleon you. You have abdicated your oath because you're not protecting Ohioans. You are only protecting a tiny, tiny subset of Ohioans as you see fit. And historically, health has been the uh, uh, sole domain of the executive branch? Really? Well, guess what? The economy and the ability for people to, I don't know, take advantage of their constitutional rights to freedom, to free expression, assembly, practice of religion, etc., those are not the sole property of the executive branch. Those are the responsibility of being upheld of the state legislature. You don't control the economy, yet you, in the name of health, you and Dr. Labcoat, have decided to sacrifice the economy in the name of what you think should be the most important. And once again, and I know this is slightly off the topic, but the idea that the executive branch is being run by a liberal Democrat Obama-supporting political activist whose last job in medicine was to be a supporter of late-term, up-to-the-moment-of-birth abortions, Dr. Amy Labcoat, is just, it's just a little bit too far for me and for a lot of other people. And I can't overstate that. The idea that he put the health of Ohioans into the hands of somebody who doesn't care about the health of Ohio's youngest citizens, the ones that are still unborn. I have a big, big problem with that. Jan in Greater Cleveland, go. let's go ahead and get a call or two in here before the bottom of the hour. Hi, Jan, you're on the air. You know, you better watch your words, Mr. Bob, because, uh, you know, these uh, elitist uh, tyrants... Uh, They'll, they'll come down harder if they don't like what you say. Well, you're right. And, uh, they, they've proven and, that. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just a shame that Mike, that Mike DeWine was uh, chosen as governor. And uh, It really was. Amy, you know, people are saying, oh, well, she had a hard life. That doesn't qualify you for anything. Uh, Amy uh, Atkin, you know, oh, we have to be nice to her. She had a hard life. I guess when she was young. Well, I'm sorry, those are not any qualifications. Uh, 
you know, to think, oh, well, she, she really uh, knows what's best for, for people. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't much care what happened to her when she was young. I care, and thank you for the call, Jan. I care what's happening to her right now and what she is doing and making happen to us uh, in her professional capacity. Uh, by the way, Larry Householder, the Speaker of the Ohio House, responded to DeWine's condescending, this is our responsibility and I will not... Uh, uh, I forgot what he said. I will uphold my oath to protect the health of people of Ohio garbage. Larry Householder said, quote, by way of Twitter yesterday, the Ohio House will continue to pass bills that protect Ohioans regardless of threats. Unemployment, foreclosures, business failure, alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic violence, suicides, child abuse. The people's well-being is more than the virus. It's about quality of life itself. Bravo, Speaker Householder. Bravo. Very well said, sir. And I hope somebody can get this message to the leader of the state of Ohio, Amy Acton, and her assistant, Mike DeWine. We'll be right back. Continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us this morning. Got a couple of uh, tremendous guests coming up at 1010 and 1035. We go into the Ohio State House in a manner of speaking. Ohio State Representative Scott Wiggum from Wayne County will be with us, and Ohio State Representative Bill Seitz. Both have been very, very critical of Governor Mike DeWine and uh, Dr. Labcoat Amy Acton uh, over the course of these last few weeks as uh, the state of Ohio has crumbled economically into a place where it'll take decades, I think, to get uh, uh, to, to be recovered. From. So we're going to talk to them, but right now we want to go to the United States uh, House of Representatives, and of course, uh, that means it's time to talk with the aforementioned Congressman Bill Johnson, Ohio's 6th Congressional District Representative. Congressman, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. It's good to, good to be with you today, even though we're, we're doing it from the confines of our homes. We're, uh, it's good to talk with you. Are you upset since you said that? I'll start with that, that you are not in D.C. right now. The Senate is back to work, and they're in Washington. And Nancy Pelosi continues to uh, to not do the people's work by keeping everybody at home and citing the existence of this virus that, of course, is so ridiculously overplayed with 99-plus percent of people who had contracted uh, surviving it fine, with the vast majority of them never even knowing they had it with the symptoms so mild. Do you want to be back in D.C. right now, or uh, do you support what? Uh, the speaker is doing uh, i i do not support what the speaker is doing i think it is shameful that uh that the house of representatives is not back at work uh bob you know we did not stand down congress during the civil war neither of the two world wars korea vietnam 9 uh we've never done this before uh it is mind-boggling to me i mean the president is at work uh the vice president is at work the cabinet uh, members are all at work. Uh, we've got first responders and, and health care workers on the front lines. They're at work for crying out loud. You're telling me we cannot figure out how to use hand sanitizing masks and social distancing to do our work in Washington, D.C. I think it's a shameful thing. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what I would say if I was really cynical, and sometimes I have been accused of being cynical, is that what Nancy Pelosi is saying is that the United States Congress, the United States House of Representatives, is a non-essential business. What well, you guys do uh, yeah. is not essential enough to be there. You know, and that's that's a pretty stark admission from the Speaker of the House. 
It is a it is a terrible message to send to the world. And I, I've told people I feel a little bit like a you know I'm a military guy, Bob, and I spent 27 years uh, almost in the Air Force. But I feel a little bit like a uh, uh, the captain of a ship. I'm in the lifeboat uh, off to the side, paddling around, watching my crew bail water uh, as the ship goes down. That's 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 what this feels like. It's a it's a helpless situation. I'm ready to go back. I've been ready to go back, and um, I, I think we need to go back and do the work that the American people have elected us to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree, uh, Congressman. It's 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 shameful that uh, that you are not being allowed to go there and contribute to the recovery that this country so desperately needs. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's take five seconds here, or a couple of minutes anyway, to talk about good news. Uh, give me your reaction to the announcement yesterday that the Department of Justice has dropped any pending charges in the entire case against General Michael Flynn, who was railroaded six different ways from Sunday by the James Comey-led FBI under the direct watch, it would appear, of the Vice President and the President of the United States before President Trump took over. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what a revelation this is. And it's it, it, it comes, you know, uh, uh, Bob, this is stuff that you and I and, and many, many Americans uh, knew intuitively uh, that this was all a setup from the get-go. I am so glad that this has been exposed. Adam Schiff, it is now a matter of record, and it's going, it is proven that for three years Adam Schiff lied about all of this Russian collusion stuff and, and participated in this effort. And uh, I hope he, among all the others that are involved, are held accountable by, uh, by Attorney General Barr. Uh, you know, on, on a po- to put a positive spin on this, uh, though, Bob, I think this is, a, uh, this is a testimony of the resiliency of, of the American system you know, our founders had real concerns, even when they wrote the Constitution, that we would be responsible enough to be self-governing, uh, that it would be just too difficult for us to do. This was not a an international tribunal that discovered this corruption. We self-policed. We stayed at it, and we have rooted it out, and now General Flynn has been exonerated and uh, Attorney General Barr is going to go after those that perpetrated this. That is that is the, the resiliency and the beauty of the American system. We can self-govern, and we will get to the bottom of this. I am hopeful that the last part of what you said is accurate. I am hopeful that the Attorney General goes after them, or perhaps it's already in motion with uh, Prosecutor Durham, who continues his investigation, is uncovering right. a lot of important information. Because, I mean, honestly, it's one thing to say, okay, in the end, the right outcome was achieved and the General Flynn was exonerated, but his life has been destroyed. His life, his reputation, his life savings, he lost his house in order to pay for the attorney's fees to defend himself against all of these things. Um, so there, there has to be some sort of justice for him beyond just okay, you, you know, you're out of jail and you're exonerated. There has to be something that that ensures nobody else ever has this happen to them. And the punishment oh, I, of those responsible I, has to be extremely severe, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, and I'm even going to go so far as to say I, I think General Flynn has some remedies available to him. 
uh, to, uh, to, 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 uh, to take a civil action to go after, uh, to go after that because uh, I, I agree with you 100%. There are some, uh, there are some disastrous consequences of all of this that cannot be undone and it needs to be made right. I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I think General Flynn needs to pursue every avenue available to him uh, to set this matter right. We are talking with Congressman Bill Johnson uh, this morning on AM 1420, The Answer, Ohio 6th Congressional District Representative. Let's go back to the ongoing um, a calamity in our state uh, and, of course, in many states across the country, but I'm worried about this one. And uh, I've been particularly worried about the actions being taken by Governor DeWine and his hand-picked liberal Democrat activist and pro-late-term abortion doctor, Dr. Amy Acton, who is setting the health pace for this state. Um, in fact, you and I may disagree on this, and I've got a couple of people coming on, um, same party, by the way, uh, next hour who are going to disagree because they have been very, very critical of Governor DeWine on this. But I know that you are a little bit, uh, well, you've been trying to work with them. In fact, I heard an interview that you did on, uh, what is it, WBNF, or I'm sorry, uh, what's the uh, network? WFMJ, excuse me. You right, did an interview, right. and I want to, um, let me share this with people, and then we'll talk about uh, it. I just got off the telephone, believe it or not, uh, about five minutes ago with, uh, with Governor DeWine. Wine. He was he was calling to check in, and and he and I have had close communication throughout all of this. And I can tell you, Governor DeWine understands what makes our economy uh, churn. He wants to open open it up as quickly as possible, and he agrees with me that we can't limp along in first year. So, Congressman, let me ask you this. Do you think he is opening it up as fast as it needs to be opened up? Or has that ship already sailed and we're already a little bit too late? Well, I, I, I think, you know, uh, we're going to be armchair quarterbacks in, in trying to answer that question, Bob. And, and we're not going to know until we get further down the road. I think uh, I continue to advise the governor from my perspective. Uh, that the smart thing to do is to set the uh, public health guidelines. Uh, here's what I believe. Uh, you know, we made it through those conflicts of the revolution and the civil war and the world wars, not because of big government. We made it through and our economy thrived in that century after the civil war because of the innovative spirit, the heartbeat of the American people. If the American people understand the rules, if the people in Ohio understand what the rules are uh we will figure this out we are very very adaptable so my advice to the governor has been put out the guidelines if it's social distancing masks sanitation small groups do that and then let's get people back to work and let them figure out how to adapt to this new uh sense of normal until we can kill this virus with a vaccine and massive rapid testing. So I, you know, I, I think we won't know for some time, uh, how quickly we change gears and get up to highway speed, but I still remain convinced that we cannot limp along in first gear very long. We can afford an economic setback. We cannot afford a total economic collapse. I don't disagree with that. 
Um, but I fear that it's too late. We haven't just suffered a setback. We have suffered a total economic collapse, and it's going to get worse literally every oh, day. Oh, I disagree with that, that Bob. Yeah, well, I, let, I let, let me finish yeah. the premise, and then you can disagree yeah. with it. Um, sure. When, you know, $775 million in cuts to the state budget uh, are, are going to be forced here because there are no tax revenues coming in. Um, it, countless numbers, thousands of businesses are going to be not reopening when he says it's okay because they've gone bankrupt. They're never going to open again, which has led to Lord knows how many employees who are no longer going to have jobs to go back to if they're called back. Uh, you know, sure. some of them will be called back. So those who are left without jobs because their their employers are gone forever are going to be scrambling to fight with other people for the remaining jobs, which are also going to be fewer because again we're not opening up fully. We're doing fifty percent capacity for this and limited that. So I, I see this as not just an economic, uh, or more than a setback, but an economic collapse, but it's one that's not anywhere near over because the recovery is going to be almost as painful for many as the, uh, as the actual act itself. Go ahead. Well, I, I actually agree with the last part of what you said, that the recovery is going to be painful, potentially as painful uh, as, as the, the virus itself. And I, I agree with that. But we got to keep our eye on the ball. And, and I'm an eternal optimist, and, and I know where we came from in that century after the Civil War when our economy was decimated because of our own actions. 700,000 Americans uh, killed in that conflict. Our economy was in shambles, and over the next century, every modern convenience known to mankind was birthed right here in America. We're very resilient people, Bob, and I believe we will figure this out. I don't think we've reached the economic collapse point. We've got to keep our eye on the ball. And what is the ball? Here's what we know for sure. This virus is not like the flu. You know, the flu may kill 20,000, 30,000 Americans over the course of a year. I don't know the exact number. This virus killed 70,000 Americans in the matter of weeks, in the matter of just a few weeks. So anybody that says that this is just another flu bug, they're totally wrong. I disagree with that. Now, where did it come from? Our focus needs to be to hold those accountable. China is where this came from. Our governor did not ask for this situation. Uh, our president did not ask for this situation. You and I certainly did not ask for it. The Chinese held that information, misled the world, and, and, and that's where we are today with this. And they've got to be held accountable. We've learned a lot about ourselves that we did not know before. And I am as convinced as I ever was in the strength and the resiliency of the American people. I, there is no question. You are right. We are going to have some businesses that are not going to survive this. I know that. And that is, that is the tragedy in all of it. But we're going to have others that thrive, and they will take the place. We will make it through this, Bob, if we, if we hang in there together. I do love your optimism. I, 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 do, I wish I shared it more, to be honest with you, but I'm watching and listening. Let's have and, lunch. Uh, and I, and I don't you. have faith. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I, I don't have faith, Congressman, in the recovery because I think that, that Governor DeWine, and you're right, he didn't ask for this, but he is also placing his faith almost entirely in a doctor who 
has been wrong from the get-go with her models and her predictions and has established policy with her name on it um, for the last two months um, based on those wrong models, based on incorrect predictions, based on all kinds of erroneous information. So here comes the, the, the and I, you should appreciate this as a legislator yourself, here comes the state represent, representatives this week saying, you know what? We should probably have a little bit of a, a seat at this table. As you, as you make decisions on Ohio's health, it impacts Ohio's economy. We have a role in that. So what do you say we roll back the, hey, one person, the state health director has all of the power to make decisions here. And let's say what she says is advisory, not mandatory. And if she wants to extend this past 14 days, uh, let's talk to a bipartisan committee of legislators to see if that's the right thing for all Ohioans. You know, it is a separate co-equal, uh, you know, government that we have here. And he basically said no. Uh, I'll veto it. He repeated it yesterday. I don't want your help, state legislature. Dr. Acton and I got this. We'll make the decisions around here. That that doesn't sound like a representative republic that I recognize. Well, I, I, I'm, I mean, I think you make a valid point, and I think these discussions are healthy. I mean, we are, these are unprecedented times, uh, uh, Bob. There is no question about that. The one thing for certain uh, that, that, that I believe is true we will never be able to measure something that did not happen. Uh, we will never be able to measure the number of people, uh, the, not, the number of lives that were saved as a result of the actions that Governor DeWine has taken. We will only be able to measure the number of people that contracted the virus and the number of people that, God bless them, God rest their souls, the number of people that died. And right now that's, that's approaching 1,300 in our state. So... You know, we're going to have a lot of armchair quarterbacks. We're going to make it through this uh, a lot quicker if we work together to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's the way that the American people survive. When our backs are against the wall, we lock arm in arm and we move forward together. And let me tell you the one, the one legacy example of that that I remember. You know, I've, I've mentioned the Civil War a number of times. The, 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 the sons and daughters of those that bled and died in the Civil War, less than a generation later, put on the same military uniform, locked arms, and marched off into Europe in 1917 to take on tyranny in Europe and rid, uh, rid the continent of tyranny. That's the kind of resiliency that our country has. And I believe if we maintain a positive attitude, we're going to make it through this okay. Has Governor DeWine made every decision right? I think he would be one of the first ones to tell you that if he had it to do over again, there probably are some things that he would do differently. But he is our governor. And by the way, Dr. Acton was confirmed by the Senate, uh, which is a Republican Senate. So she was vetted and confirmed by the Senate. I don't know her credentials. Worst I job of vetting in level. the history of the state. And I don't think <laughs> well, he vetted her either. No, I mean, I, I, I bet if you were to ask all 31 of those uh, Republican senators who did that, I guarantee you they would they, they would take that back. Uh, and the fact, yeah. like I said, that she she is a, 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 a president. I mean, uh, Governor DeWine likes to call himself a pro-life governor. And he chose a Planned Parenthood-supporting, late-term abortion-supporting uh, abortionist uh, as his Ohio health director. I think he would like to have that one back and i think the rest of the state would be better off if he had congressman uh great conversation a lot of ground we didn't get a chance to cover i hope we can talk again soon 
I hope so, too, Bob. Thanks. Have keep, a great keep day. Keep up your good work, and thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Bye. 9.53. Let's get out and come back in again. And 1420, the All right, 957. Hey, another reminder, in addition to your own home movies that I just told you about, another thing you can watch, maybe this weekend, while it's available, limited time only, No Safe Spaces, online at nosafespaces.com, the number one political documentary of 2019 with Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla. You know, we always feature them because they're the, uh, uh, they made the movie and they're the stars of the movie, but it also features some of your other favorites like Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, uh, Tim Allen, how about that, a Hollywood conservative, and even some people on the left with contributions to the discussion of No Safe Spaces, which essentially means that freedom of speech is no longer free, freedom of speech is no longer protected if the radical left has anything to do with it. But people like Van Jones, Cornell West, Alan Dershowitz, all in it as well. 99% approval rating at RottenTomatoes.com. Watch it now for 25% off. The discount code is SAVE25. SAVE25 for 25% off at NoSafeSpaces.com. Maureen is in Parma on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Maureen. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, I wanted to speak to everyone thinking that uh, this vaccine that's going to come is going to be our big, wonderful solution. They really need to take the time to um, follow President Trump's warning. We don't want the cure to be worse than the virus. And look into this issue because these are not the vaccines we got when we were kids. We now have 52% of children with chronic health problems. We've got one out of six children has some form of brain damage. And one out of uh, 10 is a very conservative estimate for autism, though many are not diagnosed yet. Uh, we have created a horrific thing. So these people who tell us they're worried about our health and one human life are complete hypocrites because just like, um, you know, the representative you had on, he sounds like a wonderful person. Uh, but I really doubt he's done any work on really getting down into finding out about vaccines. And the problem is, even the doctors themselves are not trained on what is in these things or how they are created when they're in medical school. They're just given the schedule to memorize. And since 1986, there has been no liability on vaccine makers for any liability and damages that happens during the prep act there is no liability to drug makers or vaccine makers and there are vaccines in the in the works right now that are being skipped on the human trials so i will absolutely not take the vaccine or the mark of the beast that's going to come with it we have got to find out what they plan on putting in this stuff and the risk is all ours. And if they mandate something where the risk well, they can't, is all they can't, ours... They can't, man, they can't mandate it. They can't mandate that anybody take any vaccine, really. Uh, and, and, I, and I can tell you this. Um, right now, I don't know what's going to be in it yet. I will probably, you know, well, obviously, I think you're right. We have to find that out before anybody makes any decisions on what they want to do. But it does need to be our decision. And it's something that I can tell you right now. I believe in the human immune system, and I believe in immunity, and I believe in getting a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it's what protects us. It's what keeps our white blood cells doing their jobs. And thank you, Maureen. i got to go to the news here, but it's what I believe uh, you know, will, will keep me fine, and if I do get it, I'll get a little sick, just like I did with flu and other things, and I think that's going to be the, just like 
the vast majority, 85, 90% of people, that's what happens. A very, very tiny percentage of them have anything more severe than that, and an even tinier percentage die. Uh, okay, thanks for the call. Let's get out, and so we can come back in with uh, Representative Scott Wiggum next. 